Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, we've been talking about the importance of marketing teams on this podcast recently. And today we're lucky to have a guest who is a specialist in purpose. And she believes that purpose is one of the secrets of a happy work life. So that's, you know, connected to the team's angle. I'm happy to introduce Diane Primo. She's CEO of her own agency, the Purpose Brand Agency. And she says that more people than ever want to work for a purpose-driven brand. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So her agency helps brands identify and promote their purpose. So let's get her in here. And by the way, she's another Chicago-based marketer, Cindy. Seems like a trend going on. So welcome, Diane. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Always great to have somebody from Chicago to join us. And uh, what a pedigree you have, too. Um, Harvard MBA and Smith undergrad. So it is a real pleasure to have you join us. Can I kick us off with the first question, Ruth, if that's okay with you? Diane, why do you think purpose needs to be top of mind for marketers today? Because it's top of mind for um, the public. It is top of mind for consumers. We've done... Um, our own research and the research it runs across uh, generation, race, gender, you know, politics. And what we've learned is that and as you survey people and you ask them what they care about, what they care deeply about, what you learn is that they care about the things that are purpose related, like social justice, the environment, philanthropy, more than they do, they care more deeply about those things than they do about um, professional sports, fashion, video games, and tech, right? So it really is at the center of culture right now, right? And, um, you know, people often think, oh, technology is really in videos, you know, and and professional sports. And marketers typically borrow equity from those um, arenas. got athletes to promote our brands, uh, fashion icons, you know, uh, we use, you know, the metaverse technology, we're doing the cool stuff, right? And what we're seeing is these things are crossing over into uh, the authentic cool, legitimate, right? The cool that we can be proud of. Right. So how can a brand do that? I mean, you can't, who could you hire to be an endorser? Or what, what are the steps that a brand can take if, they've, if they want to borrow that equity? Yeah, I think there are two paths, right? Purpose is something that you have to own and uh, be responsible for, right? And to market with purpose can be a high-risk proposition if you are not truly purpose-led. First advice I want to give a marketer is this needs to be authentic. It needs to be real. And if people throw around that word authentic over and over again, right? So, so there's there's two um, areas that you need to like look at. Is one 
you may have a company that um, is really purpose-led and has done a lot of work to come up with their purposes, but more importantly, they've done a lot of work to operationalize their purpose, okay? The P&Gs of the world that are out there, the Unilevers, um, and you know, you've got some big guys in the CPG space, but you also have some tech people like Microsoft, Nike, right? In the clothing era, you've got Patagonia, right? For retail stores, you have people like Kroger, right? These people are these people, I would just say, these companies have really built their business now on the back of purpose. And what I really mean by that is they've done a lot of self-reflective research on their own to say, what is my superpower? And how do I use that superpower to make the world a better place? And that really is the key to a purpose-led company. Now, you might wanna ask me, and I'll let one of you ask me, what does that mean for a brand? So I, I, I described the house, right? The mega house, those are all big brands, but what if I have like 44 brands within a mega house, like Unilever has all these brands, P&G has all these brands. Um, so I'll let you ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to just um, comment and ask you a question about something you just said. So um, authentic, cool. So that's really interesting. I certainly can see Nike as authentic, cool, for sure, and has a heritage in being that way and has been a genuine about an authentic better for a long time. I don't see Microsoft as authentic, cool. Um, and, and actually, I was surprised when you mentioned them that I don't see them as standing out and purpose-driven. So I guess I was like, oh, some of these I get, Patagonia for sure, Nike for sure. So are there different types of companies in this space where it's their purpose-driven internally versus purpose-driven externally to the public? Usually purpose is both. Purpose always starts inside, right out, okay? And the reason it's inside out because you need, you need people to operationalize purpose. If you don't have your people drinking from the Kool-Aid, okay, if you don't have your people engaged, if they don't believe and haven't participated in the development of that purpose, then it's unlikely you're going to be able to, 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 to move that into the external world, right? Um, so it's always the combination of internal and uh, external, and is about engaging the stakeholders and aligning the stakeholders. That state, the stakeholder can be your employee, the public, your board, partners, suppliers, all investors, all of those are stakeholders and all of them have to be aligned um, uh, around that, that purpose. I find it very interesting because you said, oh, I don't see Microsoft that way, right? And you know, I admire them. What's interesting about Microsoft when you study them is you have to understand their purpose is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more, okay? So they're using their superpower that is in this tech world to help people achieve more. That is a purpose. And they are very, very devoted to that. Um, and they do it very, 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 very well. And as a result, they are one of the highest market cap companies. And um, uh, the CEO there came in after Balmer. We all know the history there. And he really focused on this area of purpose, really driving into his organization, driving it into the culture, driving into the business, driving into the product set. And what I will say to you is look at his results. 
you know, think about the old companies versus the new companies, the old tech companies versus the new tech companies. Microsoft is an old tech company. It really is, right? Well, that actually brings up another question that Cindy and I were thinking about, namely measurement. And how do you, for, for example, persuade a client company or anybody how their investments in this effort, and I appreciate that the effort needs to be internal and external, is going to pay off. Well, there, there are two, to me, um, there are two things that you track as, as it relates to measurement. One is financial measures, right? And the other are non-financial measures. It's important to track the financial measures because you cannot pursue purpose without financing it. You got to finance it. Let's just be honest about that. And, and consumers, you know, are pretty savvy. They get you're in the business to make money. I mean, they're, they're not... They're, they just want to understand that you're making that money for the betterment in the right way for the betterment of society, right? The second area is non-financial measures. It's the combination of financial measures and non-financial measures that lead to the long-term um, success of a company, the long-term financial benefit of the company. This is not a quarter-quarter game. This is like you were, you know, for for extended period of time. Um, before performing, uh, you know, above average um, as it relates to um, uh, uh, market indicators. So this is a long-term game. It's not a short-term game. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about those non-financial measures and what you should be getting at. The good news is the world is now, you know, gravitating around ESG. ESG is environmental, social, and governance, right? And there are there are KPIs within each of those pillars. Um, and each industry has a set of KPIs that should be monitored and determine what the risk, what their risk is, uh, financial risk is in their category. What I really mean by that is it gets to be a little bit complicated, but ESG is really a scorecard. Like DNI is a scorecard. ESG is a scorecard for uh, performance. It is a risk indicator around long-term financial performance. Your KPIs for that industry are, are earmarked to tell you: Are you, uh, you know, are you, do you score above? Are you scoring below? Right? And you want to keep those KPIs in harmony. The second. I want to see about, say about ESG is that this is your opportunity to add other things in the category that are important to your business as part of that scorecard. You can add to that scorecard and you should. So it is the combination of financial measures and non-financial measures. I put that in the ESG bucket, which will determine your long-term um, success. And for marketers, we're all over, you know, they're all over financial measures, right? But you also be, be over the um, non-financial measures because whether you like it or not, and most marketers get this, is that the communities that we serve and our client bases are highly, highly diverse at this point. And they, they are watching what we do. In the new world, if you don't do the right things, uh, they will complain. They'll boycott you. Um, you know, look at the Kylie Jenner ad. They took that ad. They had to take that ad right down. You know, there's a series of things that happen um, that are consumer 
uh, voting rights here <laughs> that don't do the right thing, they will vote you out, <laughs> okay? Right. So Diane, this feeds right back into that question you said, why don't you ask me, in a very interesting way. Um, you have KPIs and measurements and, and you have the consumers who will vote you in or vote you out if, if they agree that your purpose meets theirs and is, and same with the employees um, and stakeholders. But you have a very diverse brand that appeals to many audiences that could also be international, that could serve many industries. And you could very, very well have competing interests, both internally and externally amongst your diverse brands. So what do you do about that? Oh, it's, that, that's, you have to stay aligned with your purpose. I mean, most marketers um, understand that when they um, have a business, right, and they are looking to differentiate that business, uh, they have to have a point of difference, okay? That point of difference is about occupying a, um, uh, a position in a consumer's brain and in a consumer's heart. And you're trying to achieve dominance when you do that, right? Um, that's really what their, their, their focus is. And through that sort of analytical and emotional do dominance, they will gain um, market share. And that's what market share is about. It's, you know, share of mind, share of heart, um, which translates into share of market and financial gain. So I want to say that first. And if you think about a part, point of difference as a marketer, you're always going to have some people who don't drink the Kool-Aid, Right don't buy into that point of difference. And it, and it is that specific share of mind that you carve out that is going to make the difference, you know, between the success of your brand and not, and how compelling that is. So this is about, this, there's, this is about the same thing, right? A, a purpose is in fact, a point of difference for you. You want to, just like you want to stay true to a specific brand's point of difference, if you have a purpose positioning, you want to stay true to that and align with that. You will have people that don't agree. A great example of this is take Chick-fil-A. They are a very right-wing group. They have a thriving business, all right? Very right, thriving business. Let's look at Ben and Jerry. They're activists in the marketplace, right? Patagonia, they're activists. They all have thriving businesses, right? But they use it to create a point of difference that's relevant, that is um, on culture, that is compelling and engaging. In so doing, they've captured large percentages of the population that are fully aligned with them and believe in what they're, what they're doing, okay? This is really what this is about. You want to stay true to that purpose. And people will judge you, are we on purpose? Or are we off purpose, right? As it relates to your business and your brand. Does that make sense? And so you don't really expect people who don't believe in your purpose to, to, to be attracted to it. You just kind of write them off. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying just like anything else, you, writing off is probably not the best word. To use. <laughs> <laughs> convert. <laughs> You're not going to convert those that are, are not uh, yes. sympathetic to your yes. purpose, right? <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, who don't agree. Because there are going to be people who 
who love Chick-fil-A and don't really care about the politics. The thing with politics, I love that word because culture and politics, they've come together. They, there really is a blend right now, right? You're going to find people out there who don't believe in D&I. You're going to have people out there who, who you, know, you know, you look at the scores and, hey, social justice really isn't that important to them. Women's rights, not really that important to them, right? Um, and you're going to have other people who like, hey, this is really important. This is, you know, at the center of who I am and what I believe in, right? Um, you've got to define what your purpose is, what the company's purpose is, and what your own personal purpose is. And if you can align those, and they are compelling, they're reflective. Um, they they lean into um, you know uh, activating what you can do best. Then you're probably in the right swim lane. Right. Right. But the key is staying there. That's the key. stay there. Right. Stay aligned. Stay true to it. Because if you confuse them, you lose them. Right. So just to go back, Diane, to your point about the importance of metrics, and I'm thinking gee, if I wanted to persuade my investors, my shareholders, that the investments I'm making in purpose strategies and, and activities can be demonstrably better than what I was doing without them, for example. So as a marketing professional, I might have wanted to set up a test group and a control group, which is pretty impossible in something as broad as this. Are there any ways that I could demonstrate the incremental value of purpose strategies? Uh, first of all, uh, investment is, a, is about the long game. Uh, it really is it's about the long game. Um, they encourage investors not to go in and out of the marketplace. They encourage them to hold stocks for a long period of time. Purpose is about the long game, okay? And there's lots of evidence to indicate that you want to play the long game, particularly, particularly in today's world. Disruption and uncertainty are the enemies of um, uh, continuity from an investment standpoint, as we well know. Evidence of that, COVID, um, uh, George Floyd, um, hurricanes, disasters, businesses get shut down and they get closed, right? So if you don't care for the things that are important from a human perspective, from a planet perspective and from a people perspective, there's going to be business disruption. And that is truly the biggest benefit are the biggest selling point for pursuing purpose. One, it's a long game, it's not a short game. That's very important to, to uh, uh, remember. And two, the enemy of financial investment is disruption and uncertainty. Things are um, changing so quickly, Diane. Our, uh, everything about the world we're in keeps changing. And as we're looking over the horizon, just over the horizon, and we have seen that um, ESG has become so much more important than it was even five years ago. So if we look over the horizon and say what this means for marketers and businesses, what do you see as the role purpose will have in the next five years, for example? Um, how do you think it can change and how can companies stay on top of this? Mm -hmm. 
I, I think um, it's going to become more metric driven. That's number one. Um, uh, people are understanding how to really measure it, right? Um, ESG really is about measurement. Um, people don't realize it, realize this, but impact investing started in 2005. Rockefeller Foundation was at the, at the, the, the heart of um, accelerating the look into this along with the um, uh, responsible um, uh, investment group. It's called RPI, Responsible, I think it's a responsible investment group that is uh, associated with UN. And so they were early on um, looking at, at this from a principal standpoint, right? They were really, really focused on this. They were at the, the, the early part of this. And then it took another you know, 10 years for it to really um, take hold. In the last five years, it has been around crystallizing it. Most people don't realize there are like 12 ESG frameworks. And the most advanced part of ESG is the E piece and the S piece is the one that's still being uh, worked on, right? Um, uh, you mentioned global, uh, uh, Europe, uh, industrialized countries overseas are far more developed than we are. They're, they have, have started regulation. We just really are beginning regulation. Um, so you're looking at all that, but the most important piece of this is that it'll be measurement. Measurement will change. That's number one. Number two is that consumers will become more savvy about um, uh, looking at you and understanding, um, are you for real? I mean, do, are you really um, doing what you say you're going to do? So it's going to be more cross-checking. Right. More authentic. They're going to be savvier judges of our authenticity. Exactly. So if you um, go out there and you market something, um, you've got to make sure as you're marketing, you think about the other pieces of the business. Where am I investing as a company? What kind of pack money am I, who am I, who am I giving money to, right? Right. What, what philanthropic, if I have a, a grant or foundation area, what are they giving to, right? So you've got to make sure all the dots are connected as a marketer. If you're going to do something, you need to do an internal check to say, are we living this walk before I get out there? Yeah, walk the walk. walk, walk. Mm -hmm. The third thing is, is that um, uh, people are becoming more vocal in this regard. We, we already know they care deeply about it because they care deeply about it. And they have the digital platform to magnify that. They will increasingly become more vocal. Now, what does that mean for you? What that means for you is that you need to understand how to communicate. Right. One of the things that we specialize in is, is, you know, bridging communication by culture, you know, right. You need to understand how to communicate and how do you bring people, how do you communicate in a way that brings people together? That's awesome. That's true. How do you communicate in a way that brings people together and doesn't separate them and make them more divisive? Right. And so you want to think about the things that people can align on. So they can hear the things, the other things that you want to talk about. Excellent. Thank you very much. I think you've given us a ton to think about and a lot for companies to focus on um, and to align their um, future plans on if they're not doing this today. Yes. And I'm sorry we've run out of time, Diane, but thank you so much for joining us today and can't wait to 
start implementing or see companies implementing some of your ideas. And congratulations on the new book. Adapt, um, Scaling Purpose in the Divisive World. And you can reach us at purposebrand.com. Thanks. We will pick up your new book. And thanks again. Cindy, wasn't that fascinating? I, I Myself, I, I find as I consume, I do pay attention to companies' purpose statements. But the research that she quoted coming from her agency that across various demographic and psychographic categories, this is more important to consumers than equities like fashion and sports and games and technology, that took me by surprise. It did me as well, like how she said social justice and philanthropy uh, are more, quote, more important in that research than what we have traditionally seen, right? And the influencers, fashion, the sports figures, et cetera. So the influencers of tomorrow are going to be more uh, involved in, you know, these areas of social justice and philanthropy and, you know, purposes at the center of culture was an interesting idea that Very. I didn't realize was, you know, it's upon us now. It's right. And as she, when we wrapped up, she mentioned how it's just going to be more so in, in the future. And then what I also loved was her point that this thing has to start at the inside. And not, you can't be talking about this as a marketer until you've got everyone engaged and on board and participating in its development. Um, wow. Including your external partners like suppliers and your your board and your distributors, man, that's a lot of work. Um, but oh my, is it? But ever. that's the way you end up with that authentic cool. That was a phrase both you and I were kind of salivating over, right? That yes, could be real. And her point that consumers are savvier than ever, and that they see through you if you're just giving lip service to purpose and other intangible goals and values. Yeah. I mean, do you remember our guest, Alicia mm -hmm. Lifrak, with the, you know, the Gen Xers where she said they see right through you right. as marketers if you're not authentic, right? Like they're very, very pessimistic, or I shouldn't say pessimistic, but they're very aware of brands that are just trying to appeal to them that aren't real or authentic about it. And I would think that this perhaps purpose-driven uh, positioning will really resonate with them. Mm. They'll know if you're authentic or not, right? The Gen Xers that have their uh, BS monitor up saying, okay, are you really real? Um, I think it's really hard to do this from the inside out if you're if you haven't already started down this path. If you don't already have a mission or a purpose that you have articulated internally, and you can lay out a path for this, that's a big, big job um, yeah. for sure. But the Microsoft example was brilliant that it took a new CEO coming in. 
but that the the purpose was something that I can't imagine anyone not agreeing with that we're about helping people do better. You know, I mean, using technology to do better. Wow, that that's something that you're probably not going to have board members or um, employees objecting to. Right. Help people to achieve more. Achieve more. Yeah. You know, um, I had the opportunity as a supplier um, to participate with one of the very large CPGs that's embraced this quite um, actively. And um, if you're a, a, you know, a certain level of supplier within their um, their supply chain, this is an expectation. They have laid out very specifically what their KPIs are for ESG. And they have said, if you want to be a supplier, a vendor with us, you must have a plan, you must uh, share it with us, and you must show incrementality towards achieving it over time. And otherwise, you cannot be a vendor supplier at this level with us and have the same benefits. And they've really laid down the law on it. Now, um, it was really compelling to see how much work they've done, but they're a global CPG company with tremendous resources. And I remember going into that meeting saying, oh my goodness, how will we ever be able to meet these sorts of demands as a supplier? And um, they said, we'll work with you. We will help you. We will even give you the roadmap to help you put into place what, what Diane shared, that operationalizing of this. Um, and, and I think that that's what it takes is a real operational plan um, and commitment. Right. And uh, large enterprises, she named Microsoft, Nike, Patagonia, Kroger. Um, I'm guessing that small businesses or mid-sized businesses are not going to have those kinds of resources and that kind of clout with, say, their suppliers, not to mention with the market. But they certainly would be able to use this approach as a competitive differentiator. Yeah. And so many companies are entering business categories where it's really competitive. And I'm seeing a lot of entrepreneurial uh, startup strategies uh, resting on purpose as a as the way they differentiate and bring their products to market. Right. If it's authentic and it's truly at your core roots, great. Then it can make you different. Uh, and it'll appeal to a very specific audience. Um, I really liked your um, dialogue with Diane around it's not for everybody. And, um, you know, if a company stands for a specific purpose, you're not going to convert the unconverted or those that don't have the same, you know, purpose as you. But also, there are people who don't really care about it. You're true to yourself, but there are people who buy your product or brand that it isn't that important to you, yep, right? Indeed. So there is that piece of it too. Um, and as marketers, we know we can't please everybody, and we actually right. take targeting as a an important uh, marketing principle we can't can't possibly serve all segments 
Well, and of course, you know, our eyes lit up and our ears perked up at the conversation around metrics, you know, the the two sets of metrics, financial metrics and non-financial KPIs. And, And boy, did she give us a really good response to how we can look at um, metrics. Taking the long view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not a long-term gains and financial metrics. Um, and then she gave us some really interesting KPIs, right? Right. And I also appreciated that she said your companies are going to have different KPIs by industry and they're going to add additional KPIs to their scorecards that are important to their business and certainly that are connected to their purpose. Right. And then the whole conversation around business disruption. Now, there are entire businesses who have been launched because they disrupted an industry, right? Where they completely um, took over uh, a well-established, mature market and industry. And because they went left when everybody else was zigging right, they completely disrupted the entire status quo. But um, for most of us, disruption, she said, is the enemy of business. And um, it is either the largest risk or can help us with the best risk aversion if we can minimize business disruption. And by uh, using purpose, understanding what our clients, our customers are looking for, this very vocal, outspoken now um, individuals or consumers who will abandon the brand if they don't feel you're being authentic or you haven't um, been able to articulate your authenticity, um, they can move the needle and disrupt your brand. I would say an impossible conclusion that purpose is a category that really every business leader should be looking at today. I agree, Ruth. Great way to tie it with a bow. Yay. Thanks, Cindy. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive.